All right, welcome to episode 13 of Flip the Record. What's going on, Joe? Hey guys, what's going on? Doing good, how about you? Eh, hanging in there. Yeah, something just kind of same old, same old right now, man. We're in the dog days. Yeah, so uh, recording on a Monday is always a little bit rougher. But Yeah, yeah, the energy just feels a little bit lower right now. Yeah. Just get that right off the top. Well, it's still fun. Like, I still enjoy the recording, but, like, uh, I like I was doing – I probably did, like, five hours of prep yesterday and then another two today. And I was, it's just, like – it's just a lot. Yeah, plus work and – Yeah. No, I so. feel that. Anyhow, uh, cool. So, this week we're doing Stone Temple Pilots. Been looking forward to this one for a little while, too. Uh, this is one of those bands that was just kind of on all the time at my house when I was a kid. Like, my dad's a huge fan. I so. was going to ask you how you kind of got into them. Yeah, always on. This is probably my dad's top three, I'll say. Like, this, Pumpkins, and kind of probably Zeppelin. Top three would be my guess. Uh, big core, big uh, purple, lot, just all the time, dude. Like, I remember, I remember being in the car with him when SDP1 came out and just listening track by track, doing exactly what we're doing now, you know, and... <laughs> Uh, him just being so hyped for it because it had been eight years since they'd done anything. And uh, he's seen him a few times in concert. I think he's trying to go again soon. I heard they're back on tour. Uh, so, yeah, so this is just a band I've been familiar with forever. Um, and it kind of fits my, my MO, too, here. Hard, heavy rock, just good stuff. Gotcha. So, for me, I had, I think, two of their songs saved. Uh, Interstate Love Song and Plush. Yeah. So, like, two of their, you know, three biggest songs. And I I uh I was at my parents yesterday and I I asked my dad I was like oh like whatever happened to your CD collection because I swear to God he had like probably like three four five hundred CDs and uh, he he I guess he sold them a couple years back to like one oh. of those essentially like GameStop for like oh God. For, for music it's called Second and Charles we'll give you uh honey do we have any pastries in the back we could trade this guy. It's like that meme where it's uh, the guy at the club and he's holding out his hands like, I'll trade offer, you <laughs> receive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, except it's GameStop and GameStop wants to give you like $13 in store credit for your brand new PS5. Yeah, you receive $11, we receive 500 CDs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. It's a fucking rip. Sign on the dotted line. Have you ever done that at GameStop? You ever go in there and try to trade? Uh, I So... My history with GameStop goes way back. Oh I've boy. traded in games that I've then rebought, that I've then retraded, oh. that I then rebought. What the fuck? <laughs> That's a sicko move, dude. Not like it's just one of those things where, like, at the time, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm done with this game, and then I traded it, and then like a couple months later, I'm like, oh, I actually kind of want to play it again. Yeah. And then <laughs> go back, pick up a used copy, trade it, <laughs> trade it again. Oh, dude, I do that all the time, especially when I'm on Switch, like. I probably got a cycle of 10, 12 games that I just kind of cycled through. I'll get through one. The The newer games especially take a long-ass time, too. So that'll take me a couple months, three months maybe. Cycle to the next one. And if I get a new one, just cycle that in, finish it, and cycle back to the first one, you know? That's, like, my favorite thing to do, honestly. Yeah. GameStop, I, I could go on and on about uh, the trials and tribulations of, of trying to get a good value at GameStop. They are absolute scammers, man. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, there's so many memes. They, well, they were bad back in the day. I'd love to see, like, how bad oh. they are now. Because they're, I mean, just because their whole business is shot, essentially. I tried once, and I was just so underwhelmed. I never tried it again. But, yeah, that's the, that's an interesting point. Like, do you, do you do, like, the direct downloads at all, ever? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, honestly, when, it, like, a popular game comes out, it's kind of nice. You don't have to, like, pre-order or anything. You just pop in. 
let it sit overnight and come back in the morning and it's there, you know? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the way to go. But yeah. Anyways, side yeah, so so yeah, so Stone Temple Pilots, I was not really familiar with them at all. Uh, I don't really have too many stats intro wise, just real quick. Uh, they did win a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance. Hmm. Uh, that was plush. Okay. And then they were nominated three more times for the same award. Didn't win. Uh, over a billion streams on Spotify. Not that many YouTube views. They only have several music videos compared to like their catalog. Planes? Uh, I don't know. Air conditioning? Probably air conditioning. And then... Uh, I, here's a fun one. They were voted the best new band by readers and the worst new band by critics in Rolling Stone's <laughs> 1994 <laughs> Music Awards. That's fucking awesome. That feels very on point for like uh, a West Coast grunge band coming out, just like hitting the scene hard. That you said Rolling Stone, or yeah, yeah, Rolling Stone has is notorious for these kinds of hot takes. Uh, so it's very funny they were worst new band of the year or whatever. That's right on point with these guys yeah so how are you before we kick off album by album like how much do you do you really like this band like how what's your consensus yeah they're definitely in my top 20 probably oh wow um i mean i I, by osmosis i've picked up a lot of this stuff over the years and then kind of picked away at my own a little bit uh before this i i love so i mentioned you previously i don't think scott wyland has an awesome like he doesn't have this crazy voice that like does all sorts of cool things, but he makes the best of what he's got. And I think he's got a cool sound like that. Just heavy raspy voice has a cool sound in some of the earlier stuff. And then I think he kind of reinvents his sound a little bit in SDP one um, and cleans it up a little bit. It actually SDP one might be his best vocals performance throughout the, the catalog. Um, and then Jeff Gutt on the last two albums, I, I think he sounds really like a like a more polished Wyland, honestly. Really? Yeah. So I, I go back and forth with this band, and this might be something where maybe after like six months, if I revisit this take, it'll change. But for me, it's, this band is like a roller coaster of like, there's sometimes when uh, the music overpowers the vocals and the lyrics. Mm-hmm. There's very few times, or maybe not very few, but there's less times where the lyrics are like the the focal point of of the track, and, yeah, and there's like some really great storytelling. Yeah. And then with Scott's voice, he has like two different voices. He has like mm-hmm. his deep voice, and then like his just regular voice. Yeah, we'll call right, hundred percent. And uh, I I think for me it's just the the inconsistency of like his voice in like the first couple albums. I, I always felt like. There might be two or three tracks in a row where I'd be like, oh, this is good. Yeah. But then it would like I never got like, oh, five, six tracks in a row. Where I was like, this is good. Like it just felt like kind of inconsistent for me. Yeah, 100 percent. I would say the first we'll call it three albums. I can I can listen top to bottom and be perfectly happy with all three of those albums. When it gets to number four, that's where I kind of I get what you're saying. But then, like I said, I think I think they come back really, really strong on STP one and hit it hard, man. I like I I really like SCP one, but I guess also the point I'm trying to make too is there's certain with other bands that we've covered, like with Brent Smith and Shinedown or to some extent Dave Grohl with the Foo Fighters, or even last last week with JJ and Kaleo, mm-hmm. sometimes their voice can make the track, even if the music's not really there. Yeah. And I don't I don't really think Scott has that going for him. No. Like I don't 100%. think his voice can ever like make the track i guess no it, they, or not they, make but save this, save the track i, I put think it that that's way. one of the things that contributed to them breaking up after a while is they uh 
they kind of realized Scott's range was going a little bit like it was okay in the first couple albums and it got progressively worse and worse I think and by the time 2002 2003 hit um, that was after Shangri-La da they were touring a little bit they just put out 2003 they put out their greatest hits album and then they they essentially fired him uh, because they were tired of his antics and his voice was going a little bit um, among other things but um, yeah he's not he's not the greatest vocalist of all time but he does like I said he does some cool things with what he's got like I love I love those songs where he gets into his deep range and then he breaks he's kind of known for like literally singing into a bullhorn that's one of his like gimmicks at shows is he'll break out a bullhorn and sing through the bullhorn into the mic uh which is kind of a cool little like show gimmick yeah that, that's cool um and you can kind of hear that on some of the songs like cracker man is a great example of a song like that where he might do that uh, deep hard heavy breaks out the bullhorn it's cool uh funny enough this is the first band i ever saw in concert Oh, that is funny. So, yeah, it's definitely not something I was, like, pining go-to, but Dad was going, and he was like, you know what, you're old enough, let's go. I was probably 13, 14 at the time, so they're playing at the Fillmore. This band was playing at the Fillmore. Mm -hmm. It was the, to that point in my life, that was the maybe still the loudest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Just absurdly loud. And I had earplugs in, and I was still like, holy fucking shit, this is loud. Um... They put it on a hell of a show, man. Those guys bang out. And it's like I said, man. It's those higher energy tracks and Scott's like wacky personality that just gets the people going. Um, and then they can bring it down into those softer tracks, but come right back and it's just a really cool show. One other cool note from that: they they finish up, they're playing their encore, and they got this uh, that on the drum cover. They got the so you've, you've seen them use like the STP oil logo as like part of their yeah so uh yeah they I had a, a note here they originally went by STP but got into some legal trouble because of the yeah. the oil company yeah scientific scientifically treated petroleum oil USA company uh so anyways so they they've co-opted that logo as their own in in a lot of different media stuff and uh, that was the the logo on the drum cover. So at the end of the show, uh, they get up. They're taking their bows, whatnot. Thank you, thank you. Drummer gets up, takes the, the drum cover off, tosses it into the crowd at the Fillmore. I was probably from here to the wall, say 15 feet from catching the drum cover. <laughs> it was coming right over our heads, dude. It was like, like a curvy like Frisbee deal, and it just barely missed us. But I'm looking at my buddy and my dad's. My dads were fucking losing it trying to get this <laughs> thing. We weren't like that that close, but pretty close. Where I was like, "Holy shit, this would be fucking nuts." Uh, so yeah, I probably have a little like nostalgia mixed in there, but just a really really cool kick ass way to like kick that off, you know? Yeah, that that's a cool story. But yeah, I I do think I don't know that I'm uh I'm on the fence on on STP as like uh I'll put it this way: if they came out with a new album, I might listen to like the top two or three tracks in terms of streams, but yeah. I most likely would not go song by song yeah i get you i can't like i'd be interested to see what they do now that guts got got the reins you know and the, the we'll talk about the last album yeah later, but, but it wasn't exactly explorative yeah um, so let's get into it yeah so core 1992 debut album debut album this band started out they signed a record label in 1989 as mighty joe young uh soon after that they switched their name to stp after a little discussion with the label 
Um, and then 1992 Core. Yeah, um, so they actually named this album Core after the apple featured in the story of Adam and Eve in the Bible. They wanted to create uh, an intense and emotional sound that reflected their view of humanity as confused and corrupted. Circa the internet. <laughs> All righty then. Great work, boys. That's not what I took from it, but great work. <laughs> I actually don't know. Uh, I think that last little bit was like a someone else putting their take on it, but I, I, the core part might be might be true. Well, and I think I think they got a lot of thoughts and a lot of things to say uh, back in the '90s, but they don't necessarily articulate their, themselves super well. Um, and there's also a lot of like inside jokey stuff too, and we'll we'll talk about a little bit about that as we go through it. But yeah, core kicks off with dead and bloated. It's not one of their best heavy songs, but it's a really good way to start your band. Again, we've talked before about these first albums being a little rough around the edges sometimes. Dead and Bloated is a little rough around the edges, but it's a it's a solid, solid track to get started. See, this, for me, this is like he's 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 uh, big on the deep voice and he kind of sounds like uh, I don't know. I, I think I think this is what critics would say that that's this too back in the day. Like it just sounds like a uh, like an unoriginal sound, I guess, with like the deeper voice. It might be unoriginal, but you you get hit right away with that bullhorn sound. Yeah, like that. F- his first lines, I eh, stand in. That's all bull. That's through the bullhorn, and so that's a little bit different. Um, I mean, you wouldn't know if you didn't know, but it's just a little like I don't know. It's something different. It's cool. Um, otherwise, I just think it's a cool heavy track. Like it's not again. It's not their best heavy track in their whole catalog, but it's a fine way to get started. Yeah, it, it's a good opener. I know. I I think. Uh, most fans, people like it more than I do, but yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, sex type thing next. I think that's a, a slightly better kind of twist on the same thing. Still heavy, pretty grungy, fast-paced, uh, good guitar work here. Um, slightly better than Dead and Bloated, yeah. Yeah, so th- this song is cool. I, I did some digging on this one. This one actually is a song that uh, is trying to tackle the issue of rape, but in like a kind of sarcastic and oh. I, way where – they're mocking like the rapist attitude and mentality uh, mm. using phrases like I know you want what's on my mind and I am I am a man to show just how arrogant like a, yeah like the you know rapist is yeah uh, it wasn't m- like received that way people actually criticize them even though it's it's supposed to be like an anti-rape song yeah um, so I, I, th- I thought that was cool like that's a it's a cool message that that's what they were trying to do even if it didn't come out that way I think sometimes artists and Matt Mason's a good example of this where like they try to put out a message and they get a little too cute, too like personal with it, and sometimes the audience like doesn't get the inside like bit. You know? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. So the lyrics of the song, like uh, Scott, sounds really creepy when he when he's yeah. singing it, and like some of the lyrics were just like, "Here I come over and over again," and uh, I know you like what's on my mind. Like, it doesn't really come off as like an anti-rape in no. any way. Like, I get that you know it's more like sarcastic and ironic. Yeah. So, I- interesting song. Yeah. Uh, Wicked Garden, same type of thing as the last two, honestly. It's just hard, heavy, good stuff here from STP. This is like, this is going to be what their classic STP sound is. These next, well, not the next, but these first three songs is kind of what their STP general range is going to be, minus like the slower stuff. Sure. Yeah. Next song's an interlude at track four, which is kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's fine. It, it, What's cool about it is it's basically an extension of Sin. It kind of plays right into Sin, uh, which is the fifth track. Yeah, um, just it's it's uh, peculiar to ha- see an interlude that early in an album. Yeah, but it's a, it's an instrumental interlude, so it's got this like kind of plucky guitar, 
not plucky, like long, clean notes, uh, just kind of riding out for a good minute and a half. Um, almost like I was trying to like kind of describe the vibe of this. It's almost like imagine watching a movie where the cowboy, where there's like a cowboy movie, and the cowboy's sitting in town and he's watching his girl like right off into the not into the sunset, but like right away from him. This is what might play during that scene in the movie. That's a that's a funny funny <laughs> reference. <laughs> I didn't know how else to put it. I was like, it's just kind of this like s- like semi sweet sad like western sound. I don't know. It's cool, um, but it's it's just a minute and a half interlude. It's nothing crazy. Yeah, mixes right into sin. Sin is uh, heavy again. It's got this like heavy chord mixed with fuzzy electric kind of like notes and licks. Um, nothing crazy from from Wyland here. This is. This is another one where I think the music maybe overpowers him a little bit. Uh, this song's all right. It's not one of the best on the album for sure. Maybe one of the worst on the album. Um, but that's I, – I like a lot of the songs of this album, so that's no, like, great uh, detriment to them. Yeah, the message of this song is uh, what I took away is how sitting over time can weigh you down. Yeah. Uh, some of the lines, holy water clouds my thinking, sinking low now, keep on drinking. Down you go, suffer long. Down you go, sin make me strong. Yeah. That was a cool stanza. Yeah cool song a little bit longer it's like five and a half minutes or something they got several like that yeah 100 percent. i mean not that that's like crazy but that's still a little yeah. longer uh naked sunday up next this one starts out a little like odd there's like an odd intro to this song kind of with the guitar uh, but then it breaks in heavy and hard again uh i think wyland does some of his best vocal work here yeah i wasn't a, a huge fan of this one it's uh lyrically it's about like the hypocrisy of people that are like political figures and people that are in charge and that yeah. end up killing other people and uh in war and mm-hmm. the the song titles that's a cool title make yeah. it sunday yeah this just feels like a very like not generic but like if i just told you hey this song make it sunday like what genre is it you'd be like oh man it's rock <laughs> duh uh, but yeah it's a cool song i like this one it's a good deep cut here follows that up with creep and so this is one of the hits off this album uh it's just like this kind of haunting, soft, slow acoustic track, and I love it. I, I don't know what to say about that. It's just so cool. I don't know how else to put it. Like Scott brings him down, self brings himself down to the perfect level to match himself with the music here. Like he doesn't. It's just imperfect. Sim- like it's perfectly like synced up together. Yeah, this this is uh, for sure a standout song. Uh, it's super catchy too. Just. They do this thing in a lot of their songs where they'll repeat, like, maybe repeated call sections. it, like, two lines, like, yeah. over and over again. Uh, and in this song, it, it's a prime example. They always, like, take time with a wounded hand because it likes to heal. Uh, and then he takes time with a wounded hand because I like to steal. And he kind of mixes that up a little bit. But that phrase and phrasing gets repeated, like, over and over again. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. It's uh, maybe the first time they'll do that, but and it'll come back a lot. Yeah, and then he also repeats, I'm half the man I used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, to me, probably the catchiest part of the song. Yeah, I think then that kind of, like, that's how the song fades out to do to to finish, is he just kind of, like, draws out one last note on that, and the song's done. It's cool. Yeah, this this is one for, for me that will, I'll find, like, the get stuck, like, yeah, humming it in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 100%. Uh, song after that is Piece of Pie. This is another just good solid stp song this is kind of w- their bread and butter right here hard not too hard uh really really cool solo at the end um uh, just good work here nothing crazy yeah i don't have anything to add good yeah. i had just good song yeah 
plush. Uh, kind of similar thing to Creep. Another slow acoustic track. Um, I don't know if I like this one as much as Creep, but still a hit off this album. This is going to be in their top ten songs on anybody's list more normally. So, did you do? Did you do any digging for this no, one? No, no. Talk to me. What's All up? All right. So this song is actually kind of similar to uh, Polly by Nirvana, mm. where this was plush is inspired by a newspaper article about a girl who was kidnapped and killed in the San Diego area. The band okay. is uh, yeah, from, from San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the singer imagined what the girl's killer might have felt or thought, and how he might have like disposed mm. of her body, which is kind of interesting and some of the lyrics uh when the dogs do find her got time time to wait for tomorrow to find it and then he also references in the song like uh trying to find a mask like if you dropped a mask right uh and they actually said this was an interview from 2008 scott said that him and uh eric the drummer wrote the lyrics in a hot tub after hearing the story and he also added that it's kind of like a metaphor for a lost, obsessive relationship. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, and then one more fun fact. The acoustic version of this song was uh, broadcast on a MTV metal show called Headbangers Ball. Okay. So STB, STP was invited on the show for an interview. And uh, let's see. Let me scroll down here. So the band took a plane to New York and ingested some sleeping pills to help or some pills to help them sleep. Uh, and they got to their hotel. D'Lo and Waylon both got sick, but they made it to the studios for the 6 a.m. taping high as zombies, as Waylon later recalled. And in this altered state, they they decided to do the acoustic version. And it actually uh, that that version is the one that's on Spotify that has like 100 million streams. Oh. They just took it straight from that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think he spent a lot of time in that state. Yeah, for sure. I'll talk about it later. I got some thoughts, but uh, yeah, but they they did a couple things with MTV. They did the unplugged too, which is at the end of this album. And I'll talk about it in a little bit, but their their unplugged is really really solid. Um, all right. Anything more on plush? Nope. Cool. After plush, track ten, wet my bed. Um, this is just another interlude. Uh, kind of the slow talking track. Um, asking where did Mary go, kind of like the whole time. I I don't know what this song is about, but he sings it in a weird voice. It's a weird song lyrically. It's skip for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a fan. Fair, but they follow that up with Cracker Man, which is another hard, like head banging song. Uh, bullhorn song, fucking sick. It's just hard, heavy, fast, good STP here. Yeah, so th- this is a good song. I, I do like this one. Uh, so. A Cracker Man is actually slang for a drug dealer. Uh, and uh, in this song, Scott sings about, like, finding the drug dealer and, and killing him in the song. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just it kind of it talks about, like, the paranoia that you can, you know, yeah, yeah. come over you from, from being on certain drugs. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. It's cool a song. it's a cool song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they close this album out with Where the River Goes. Um, this is a little bit back into like kind of a mid-tempo uh spot not super heavy not super light um but i think wyland's awesome on the mic here again really gets into his range up and down um just a good solid closer here this is a cool uh cool song from a lyrical standpoint and scott is a good songwriter like i'll say yeah he's a exceptional songwriter he does some stories a lot of personal stuff uh has some good metaphors throughout the catalog and uh also 
for each of their albums, I feel like they make it a point of emphasis to make the last song really, really, really good. Yeah, either really good or at least like really kind of provoking because it always strikes you in a different way than the rest of the album, at least what I've noticed. Yeah, and uh, this this one might be one of my lesser favorites of like the album closers. Yeah, I really like I really like the next three closers. Yeah, um, kitchenware. Yeah, May, not no, Maver. Um, which one was? May, no, I like Maver too. That's Maver's that's farther one. down. Daisy Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, man. Seven Cage Tigers. Sick closers. Yeah. I think that's one. Or no, maybe it's Kitchen and Candy Bars on that one. No, uh, Tiny Music is Daisy. Oh, either way, I like that too. Did I miss? It might be Seven Cage Tigers. Actually, I think I might. Yeah, I think it, it is. Anyways, fuck me. <laughs> um, but yeah, solid, solid closers. One hundred percent. Love it. Um, and so that wraps up core. So this was 1992, 1993, late 1993, around the same time Nirvana records their unplugged. STP did their unplugged. Um, seven tracks set, six of them from from core, and then one cover of a David Bowie song, Andy Warhol. Um, but they go Cracker Man, Creep, Andy Warhol, Plush, Big Empty, Wicked Garden. And sex type things. So I guess uh, Big Empty is actually from Purple, but mm-hmm. six of those tracks um, from Core. So that's five, five. Fucking hell. Anyways, uh, it's a it's a really cool unplugged. Um, kind of a similar thing if you watch the Nirvana unplugged, where they're sitting in this kind of like uh, pulpit, and the crowd's kind of sitting all around them, like pretty close up actually. And the band's playing, doing their thing. Uh, but they got, like, a big band out there. They brought, like, string instrumentals along with them um, and, and artists. Um, and then Scott's just kind of sitting there in this, ro- like, old man rocking chair, sipping a cocktail and singing away, dude. It's it, it's almost eerie when you watch it. The way the light's set and the way Scott's not really, like, I'll just say it. Scott looks high as balls when he's recording. Um, but... It's got this like eerie like sweetness to it, and again, where they're they're playing creep, they're playing plush, they're playing big empty. Those songs on acoustic are just so like, I don't know. It, it brings something out of them, uh, and they're already acoustic songs. But I don't, it, it's a really cool unplugged. If you're into that kind of thing, check it out. Um, yeah. So that's it with core. Yeah, I'll have to check out the uh, the video version of that. So yeah, so purple comes out 1994. 1994. The cover for this album is out there. Yeah, it's out there. It's uh, it's essentially a baby riding a dragon in the sky, and there's like some angelic figures in the kind of in the background. Yeah, it looks like it's got some kind of like uh, deep eastern like symbolism to it. Um, <laughs> well, the real symbolism <laughs> behind it is is based on the artwork from a package of china white heroin that scott scored in los angeles jesus christ uh yeah okay so that makes sense there's a few like it looks like there's a few women in the background on these clouds uh, as the baby's riding through the dragon um another cool rock art piece here whether or not like this makes any sense it's just kind of a cool art piece um i like it good album cover yeah and this album as a whole is a lot more 
polished in my opinion than yeah 100 percent. yep this they did exactly that the same thing we talk about all the time where the first album is a little rugged second album comes out much cleaner yeah they experiment a little bit more is more like psychedelic rock yeah as opposed to the last album yeah 100 percent. this is this is their best work here yeah I, I would agree with that um kicks off with meat plow meat plow here is kind of similar to dead and bloated where it's got these heavy chords um it's got the bullhorn muffled vocals uh same kind of thing good song not great i don't like it as much as i like dead and bloated um it's just it feels a little like uh choppy to me in certain sections but still a good song um and a cool solo on the end of it yeah i wasn't wasn't really a fan of this one yeah Yeah. but anyways they kick that they they move past that and get to Vaseline and Vaseline is one of their hits of all time. Uh, it stays in that mid level. It's not too high, not too low um, mid tempo, but this is another one where I think Scott does really, really good on vocals getting through his range. Um, and just like a, it's just catchy, man. Yeah. Th- this is uh, when SCP is at their best, when the music is great and the, the lyrics are great and the vocals are great. This is, this is definitely this is one of those it. songs. Yeah. So, one of the lyrics, punch drunk and without bail. I think I'd be safer all alone. Flies in the Vaseline we are. Uh, and Scott actually said about this song, it's essentially about feeling like an insect under a magnifying glass, mm. which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and he also said the key line from this song came from a misheard Eagles lyric. So his parents were playing the Eagles life in the fast lane and Waylon mm. thought they were singing flies in the Vaseline. <laughs> That's, all. <laughs> That's a wild switch. <clears throat> Never in a million years, well, but... I mean, it, it's funny, though, like when you listen to music, like if you're just in your car or whatever, there, that happens all the time where you're like, why is he say, like, I think he's saying this. And then you like look up the lyrics and you're like, oh, of course he's not saying that. Yeah. We just talked about this last week with Matt, Matt Mason, where he had that one line. I can't remember exactly what it was right now. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, same kind of thing. I do do it. Everybody does it. I don't know. It's just it is funny when you like you catch somebody singing along and you hear them fuck it up. That's a little funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. My my wife's done that a couple of times. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually not so prone to saying it to anybody, but yeah, I mean, with her, you're like whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but uh, going back to the song, this is a, a standout track. Yeah, yeah, one of their best songs by far, 100%. for sure. Um, follows that up with "Lounge Fly," another good song. Another good song. It's got it's got elements of like remember when we were talking about Twenty One Pilots, where their sound kind of changes in in songs. This is one of those songs where the sound changes like a few times. There's like this good classic STP start to it. Then it gets into this acoustic kind of like not a l- I don't want to call it a lull, but like a bit of a softer bit. And then it picks up into like a heavier STP area uh, with Scott like giving it all he's got again. Uh, interesting song. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nirvana also has a... A song titled Lounge Fly? No, Lounge Act. Lounge That's Act. the Nirvana one. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the same kind of thing. Um, a good deep cut here, for sure. So, yeah, I've got a couple different notes on this song. Uh, one, so Robert wrote, like, the, the music for this when, <laughs> when he was on a plane going to do a show in San Diego. Okay. And he's... <laughs> He said, I made the mistake of getting stoned, and while we were up in the plane, I felt like the plane was going to crash, which explains the slide guitar going down in the song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> and uh, what sounds like backward drums in the song is actually backwards guitar. Oh, yeah, that's a, what that It's a 12-string tw- acoustic tuned to D minor. Oh. The whole song is played in – this was Robert saying this. The whole song is played in open tuning D minor. 
Okay. I, I'm no music buff. I don't know a whole lot about, like, uh, music theory and whatnot, but 12 strings is pretty fucking cool. You ever seen the 12 string? Uh, yeah, my uh, my the, the guy I take guitar lessons from. Hell yeah. But I, yeah, that is uh, about six strings too many for me, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a wild <laughs> instrument. Uh, and then a couple couple more quick notes. So another – lounge fly is another kind of slang term uh, – I read that it, it it's uh, a kind of person who hangs around in Las Vegas in a polyester suit. That oh. Was, See, was I took it as a slang term, too, but I almost kind of took it. I, I was assuming that it was a reference to some kind of, like, uh, groupie. Okay, that so makes a sense. A woman who just kind of hangs out at these, like, small shows, just trying to get with the band members, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, the lyrics for this song are interesting, too, like... One of the lyrics is, I want to fuck, I want to fuck, but do you need me? And then the song, they, they say this over and over. She said she'd be my woman. So she said she'd be my man. Or it's just, hmm. yeah, it sounds like, I don't know, it could be about, I don't know, just needing someone that's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's it's weird. There's a few other songs in their catalogs where they do stuff like that with contradicting statements. Um, Art School Girl comes to mind. Um but anyways, we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, yeah, interesting song. Good. Yeah, this is a, they're they're in the fucking meat and potatoes of this album right now already, right off the top. Yeah. Also, I just want to say I've got more notes on the front half of their discography in the back half, so okay. if we go a little bit longer here. I don't have yeah, as much 100%. for the back. Yeah, we can okay. chop it up a little bit later. Yeah. So next Interstate song, love song. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off completely. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, Interstate love song arguably their most popular song yeah i think maybe so. not arguable at all i don't know i mean uh i don't know i feel like creeper plush might be pretty recognizable too yeah well, this song certainly the guitar in this song is is arguably one of the most recognizable yeah 100 like, little riffs or melodies whatever you want to call it yeah yeah as soon as they hit that first note this is one of those like first note songs you know it uh it's it like it's not crazy they don't do anything crazy here. This is just solid, like mid tempo, mid level, uh, clean, clean guitar here. Um, but it's it, it just feels like masterfully composed. The way they like they soft, not softly, but like kind of mildly enter the song, almost meekly, and then crash into the first like verse is is fucking sick. The the chorus is so catchy. This song. It's just it's a classic. Yeah, and Scott does a great job on the vocals too. Yeah, yeah, give him his flowers here because he won't get them later. Yeah, the, so some of the one of the stanzas from this: "Leaving on a southern train, only yesterday you lied. Promises of what I seem to be, only watch the time go by. All of these things you said to me." So this song is, uh, s- when Scott was writing the lyrics for this song, is he was thinking of his fiance who was back at home while they were on tour, and basically he said that their relationship was already on the rocks due to his. Uh, heroin addiction Mm, gotcha and yeah the words he came up for this song just kind of reflect that and uh originally the band came to him when uh d-lo came to him with the melody they had just labeled it as like love song and then scott added the interstate to the title Hmm. which is it's a cool song yeah i like i mean that's a that's like a perfect little add-on there that's the, the title is so like unique too it doesn't really like when you when you just say it, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but it, it's a cool. I don't know. It just it's so perfect. I don't know how else to put it. May, again, nostalgia is hitting me hard here, but uh, oh, this is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a great song. Um, 
there's an interesting like parallel with another song that's going to come up in STP 2018, uh, The Art of Letting Go. So I guess maybe we'll talk about that then. But I feel like that's got a similar kind of uh, meaning to it. And so it'll be interesting, especially with Gut being on that one instead of Wyland, uh, to kind of dig into that a little bit. But let's talk about that later. Sounds good. Um, all right, cool. So after after Interstate Love Song is Still Remains, and this is maybe their best deep cut in their catalog. This is one of the, uh, I'll, I'll say, weirdest lines in their whole catalog. He says, Scott sings, take a bath, I will drink the water. Ah, we had simps back in 94. <laughs> so this song was for uh, for his fiance. They did end up marrying his, his first wife. It's mm-hmm. a romantic song about, you know, being so obsessed with someone that you would uh, drink their bath water. <laughs> I mean, I mean he, he has other parts. He's the other, you know, metaphors in the song. But that one's the one that stuck out to me. Still less weird than eating your cancer when it turns black. Oh, true. <laughs> By a long shot, but yes. Now, let, me, let me do this song some justice because it is it is a good it's song. It's pretty so fucking sick. The, w- pick a song and sing a yellow nectarine. Take a bath. I'll drink the water that you leave. If you should die before me, ask if you could bring a friend. Pick a flower, hold your breath, and drift away. Yeah, yeah. Really, like, succinct, like, hard-hitting love, like, just a love letter almost. Yeah. Uh, cool song. And, and great guitar work here, too. Uh, I didn't it mean to skip over that, but I think the guitar work is solid, solid, solid here. Yeah, and the guitar work on the first couple albums is is typically really, really good. Honestly, I'll just I actually maybe even their whole. I was gonna say their whole catalog. DeLeo is so good on the on the fucking acts, man. I would say minus the last album because they don't. I mean, it's a lighter album. Yeah, again, yeah. that's a different thing. But like, that's almost like a concept album. Honestly, it's like Borderlands concept album. True. I don't know if I know any albums where literally every song sounds so similar. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That might be like we joke about bands playing the same song over and over and over. But like that's that album is homogenous as homogenous gets. Yeah. Let's save it for when we get there. uh, Yeah. I'm with you, though. Okay. Uh, The next song, Pretty Penny. Um, This is another cool one. Wyland breaks out like his sweet sing songy voice for this one. Uh, a little bit slow stringy chords uh this is the first track i noticed it doesn't sound like they're playing drums on a kit it sounds like they broke out like bongos or something hmm. like it's got that hand drum sound to it really like deep hollow hand like hand drum sound it's the first one it like it hit me and i think they do this on a couple other tracks too but that was the first one where i was like oh yeah they, yeah they definitely experiment with different different right. instruments different sounds, right. yeah for sure yeah. So this song is uh, Scott actually wrote this song and like he didn't realize he's he's he wrote it as like a kind of like a story or whatever. And then he afterwards realized it was kind of like about himself mm. uh, saying that it's like his last desperate attempt to prove to himself that he wasn't a drug addict. Gotcha. Um, so let me see. I have a little story from the band on this. So Scott said he wrote it third person and then realized a couple weeks later when he finally listened to the whole album that it was actually like really introspective to what was going on in his life at that time kind of hit him hard yeah isn't that crazy your your fucking inner, mo- inner monologue comes out just like subconsciously and like you weren't intending it, w- it wasn't about you but then like it's about you that, that's kind of like a crazy like note on this song and for that to actually like make it to the album is pretty fucking cool i don't know that just see like usually like we talked about matt mason again last week and 
his inner monologue is very much like he's very conscious of the fact of what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is so like there's something about it being subconscious here that's like even more impactful. Uh, yeah, it is pretty cool. I don't know if we've had. Uh, I think that's the first for for that's the first I can think of. Yeah, uh, that's pretty fucking crazy. But yeah, anyways, just good track, good solid deep cut here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silver Gun Superman up next. Eh, not my favorite on the album. Probably my least favorite on the album, honestly. Um, it's got these like, it does the up and down tempo where he's got these heavy verses into a like this swedish chorus and back to the heavy verse um it's fine it, it, again this is this album has so many good songs that i'm not like killing this song it's just not my favorite in comparison to the others yeah it's all right silver gun is slang for hypodermic needle mm. and being a silver gun superman means <laughs> he's like pretty handy with the needle yeah i was gonna say looks like a uh, put it put it lightly professional drug user yeah, um, yeah, that's okay. I had a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff in here. Just little like tidbits he wouldn't really pick up, but that's cool. Anything else? No, no. no uh, so the next song is another one of their all-time songs, "Big Empty." Yeah, and this is the same th- kind of thing as "Creep," same kind of thing as "Plush." Just this slow, plucky acoustic guitar, um, with Scott not overstepping it, really just syncing up perfectly with the music again. Another great ballad from them. Yeah, this is a song about dealing with emptiness and loneliness. Yeah, 100%. That's what I took from it, too, here. Really cool, really, really cool track. One of their hits, for sure. Yeah, and uh, in throughout the bridge in the chorus, he repeats Conversations Kill a couple times, which kind of highlighting like the emptiness that he's feeling at that time. And or, he or how difficult it can be to... Uh, take a step to to rid your you know what's going on and that line like especially towards the end he doesn't strain his voice at all for the whole song but at the end he strains his voice every time he sings that line and again the song just kind of trails out on that line with him straining it for probably as long as he could and then the voice and the music kind of just dissipate at the same time it's it's a cool cool finish yeah really cool song yeah good song uh, the next one is unglued back to the hard, heavy stuff. Banger here. Just the guitar work to enter, enter this song. Just it's fucking nuts. I love this song. This is one of my favorite hard songs from them. Uh, and there's like a six solo towards the end, uh, where they really just let them like hang it all out. It's, I, I love this song. Yeah. For, for what I said about SCP in the beginning, this album is, is by far for me like this is good like through and through the whole album is is yeah every 100%. song is really good here uh so this song specifically unglued i could be about self-control drugs i don't know but some of the some of the lyrics that are uh had me like pause for a second is moderation is masturbation what is what and what makes you feel good all these things i think about i think about always come unglued yeah man so fucking cool yeah uh give me one second Um, they followed that up with Army Ants, which is a little bit different. This is more of their kind of psychedelic rock stif- stuff here. It's got this almost like Space Odyssey type intro. Um, odd work on keyboard. Um, mid-level, mid-tempo. I like the... Yeah, the chorus is kind of like, like... It's got this cool trippiness to it. Um, I guess that's the best way I, I can describe it. Another sick solo at the end of this. 
Um, just a good track on this album. Yeah, this song's all right. I think this is one of those ones where it's like, uh, now that we're in the media spotlight, like we don't like that mm-hmm. people are doing this dirty in the media. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's what I got too. Yeah, cool track. They wrap this up with Kitchenware and Candy Bars. Slash my second album. So my second album was actually a, another one of those ghost tracks, kind of like the Nirvana oh, album. Oh, on the vinyl? Yeah, yeah. So Never Kitchenware mind. and Candy Bars is about a four and a half minute song. It's the last song on the album. After four and a half minutes or whatever it was, give or take, if you wait another like 30 seconds, it breaks into my second album. So anyways, Kitchenware and Candy Bar. It's got the, it's like, how do I put this? It's got this like almost bluesy feel to it. Uh, they keep repeating "Sell me down the river." Uh, Mid level here, there's some like violin through it a little bit. It's got this like grungy solo that they also kick into later. Um, and then once that's over, they get to the second part. But anything on Kitchenware and Candy Bars here? Yeah. So uh, lyrically, this is a cool one. I I read that it was about. Uh, Scott and his girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure at the time what, what was going on, or mm-hmm. maybe it was from before, but they had to go, th- they got an abortion. It was oh, just man. that like decision process. Uh, and some of the lyrics, unfriendly feelings, down on wounded knee, unfriendly reasons, some blind mothers need. Hmm. Uh, and then he keeps repeating, sell me down the river, sell me down the river, sell me down the river. And then what I wanted is what we wanted. What we wanted is what she wanted. Yeah, again, that's one of those like contradicting statements, and it doesn't necessarily have to contradict, but it feels like it contradicts because if it didn't contradict, why would you why would you say what I wanted is what we wanted, and then say that's also what she wanted? So mm-hmm. it's this contradictory statement that's supposed to point out that like he 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 must have felt like that was what they needed to do at the time, and convinced her to do it until that's what all she also wanted. Oh, that's a this is a good point. I didn't, I didn't really pick up on that. But yeah, they did. Like I said, they they do this a few times, and it's just that's the kind of thing that interests me in in some of these songwritings where they they get a little bit deeper into like like it's not right out in the open for you, but it's still accessible. Yeah, and th- this is another standout track on the album. Yeah, I think so too. Um, musically, not my favorite, but just I, I think the music with with that kind of thing there is what makes this track cool there's also there's a good amount of replay value in this album yeah oh 100%, i mean especially dude. with the the hits 100 percent. there's four four hits here and four or five deep cup i mean all of them except for maybe meat plow and silver gun superman i think you could you could replay all the time yeah i would say if uh if you're not if you're not familiar with stp this start would be here. the album to check out start here yeah for sure so my second album starts after 30 seconds finishes past Kitchenware Candy Bars. And my second album is this goofy-ass thing they did with this song, or with this album. My second album is a like a Rat Pack jazz track. Uh, it's not rock at all. It's very much like horns, jazz music. Um, and they got this like deep kind of, not Barry Man, but like a, like a <laughs> uh, just like deep jazz I forget fucking like almost like a Sinatra type deal. Um, and the whole track is just like, hope you enjoyed our album. This is our second album. Twelve tracks. Twelve tracks. This is what made the cut. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our album. 
And it's like that for like two and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny. Uh, we don't get anything like that anymore because everything just gets released digi- digitally. But it's funny, like you said, because Nirvana did that. Um, uh, never, mi- never yeah. mind. And yeah, this. I told you there was more of them. I didn't know where, but I, I, I know that wasn't just like Nirvana just well, invented that. It was funny listening to it on the Spotify version because I was like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a two-parter and Kitchen and Candy Bars. I was like, wow, that was what a song. And then it kick starts <laughs> kicking off with my, my second album. And second I was like, album. I was like, what? Why would they do this? And then <laughs> it's it's funny. I didn't even think back. I was like, oh yeah, this was like the '90s. Like everything's on, you know, yeah, on vinyl. It's on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny little tag on the end, it, like. As as uh, interludes go, like I think my my master class for interludes is Snoop Dogg's uh, Gin and Juice. No, well that that album is Doggy Style. Oh, okay. Doggy okay. Style has a few fire interludes. Uh, uh, th- sorry, that's what I meant. The, that the yeah. name of the album. I was yeah, just yeah, thinking, Doggy yeah. Style. Uh, but th- this is pretty fun. This is just a fun interlude. If you're gonna be it, like, it's at the end anyways. Fuck it. Yeah, wouldn't it be how funny would it be if like Drake or like Ed Sheeran or like Taylor, one of these. Taylor Swift had one of these like at the end of one of their albums? <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. Just like artists don't do this anymore. They're just like, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Fuck around. Have a little fun with it. <laughs> Maybe on Taylor's versions of some of these new albums. Yeah, for for real. <laughs> I've been so excited for Taylor's version. I can't stand the Scooter Braun version. I don't <laughs> listen to it anymore. Um. All right. Cool. So that's purple. Um, and then we get into tiny songs, tiny music, tiny music songs, songs from, from the, the Vatican, Vatican gift, gift shop. This is a fan, fantastic album name for this for this album in particular. On the surface, I think it gives you the impression that they're making a little bit of the switch from like the hard grunge stuff to a little bit more of like a a hard rock, a hard rock like pop rock mix. Um, it's not necessarily pop, what I would call pop rock by any stretch, but it's poppier than some of their old stuff. Um, and it, it's just kind of goofy. Like, this is another one. Like, the album cover's goofy, the artwork. Uh, the title's goofy. Like, it, the Vatican doesn't have a fucking gift shop. But that's also kind of the point here. So there, there's also, like, this, like, uh, this really, like, fine, subtle dig at, like, consumerism here. Um, and again, we've talked already. They they have opinions in, in politics and society and stuff like that. There's this like tiny dig at consumerism here where, of course, the Vatican doesn't have a gift shop. Why the fuck would a Vatican have a <laughs> gift shop? But that's that's so fun. They need to do like a uh, sketch or something on that. Yeah. <laughs> where the Vatican does have a gift shop. Key, key and peel in the Vatican gift shop. But the dig is also it's also at the Vatican at religion in particular, right? Because they, cause they would have a gift shop. Because they would have a gift shop. The thanks for coming to mass on your way out. Don't forget to pick up a Jesus candle. The the Catholic Church is notorious for for has a so let me not let me not say notorious. They have a history of of monetizing their their brand more or less, um, whether that's that's selling your way into heaven or that exact thing you were just kind of talking about. Um, so it's a little dig at consumerism and a little dig at religion right on the album cover. Um, yeah. Do you have right on the album title? Do you have the cover pulled up? Because the cover is something else, too. Yeah, this cover's wild. So let me get this going here. Um, it's isn't it? A, I'll pull it up, too. But it's a girl in a swimsuit. So right? it's like a, it's like a like a 50s, 40s, 50s style bathing suit. So there's a woman in this old, old school bathing suit in like it's just kind of nondescript pool. Um, <laughs> there's an alligator in the bottom right of the pool. <laughs> And then behind that, it looks like a a Buddhist like um, 
Oh, yeah, that does look like a Buddha. There's a Buddhist little, like, statue on, like, a pedestal there. And then just other odds and ends, just random things you might find in a gift shop um, laying around this, this like, Buddhist te- uh, setup here. Again, with this this white woman, old, like, not old. She's actually a young white woman, uh, but with this old school bathing suit on with, like, the swimming cap and everything and then the crocodile on the bottom. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a wild cover. Um Again, as as art goes, like this would just be a fun. I don't know if this is like the coolest album cover ever. This is just a fun one to have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is for sure all time album name catches your eye and your ear as soon as you see it and hear it. Um, or maybe not as soon as you hear it. So let me start there. But I, I, I so the first track is just an interlude again, but it matches the theme of the album. So the first track is press play. And it's just this short musical track. That sounds like music you might hear in a, in a gift shop. It's just that like kind of quirky, poppy keyboard that you might hear in, in a gift shop or like an elevator or something. Um, and that's how they stop it or start it. And then they get right into Pop's Love Suicide. Which is good, solid rock. Good, solid rock. Again, this is not... I don't even think this is a deviation from their previous stuff. When you read about this album, a lot of people talk about how this album deviates hard from the old school grunge, like heavy stuff. I don't think this is a deviation at all. This is classic STP right here. Uh, slightly poppier, but not much. Yeah, it's more like uh, what you call like glam rock, maybe. Yeah, so that's that's one of the it, the buzzwords I saw it's like, reading about uh, this album. Yeah, like influence of like uh, there's a couple songs, actually one in particular on here where it sounds like uh, David Bowie almost. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, but I mean, this is fine here. The guitar work is still like heavy chords, good stuff here. Um, I don't think Wyland does anything crazy in the vocals. Like it's just fine not good not bad um i think it's a fine way to start this album yeah definitely uh tumble in the rough i really like the music and the guitar on on that song yeah same thing man uh i i actually think wyland does a lot better on this song on vocals this is one of his better songs on the album in terms of vocals i think here yeah he goes i can't eat i can't sleep i can't live i can't cry i can't die i can't walk i can't talk i can i can booze i can booze steal your shoes so i can move yeah yeah, this is a it's just a cool track here. Um, high paced, good guitar, solid STP here. I don't, again, I don't think it's much of a deviation. Slightly poppier. Yeah, this would be another. Uh, if you were checking them out for the first time, check out Purple. Check out this album. Yeah, and I'd give you one more, and I'll let you know when we get to it. Okay. Um, after that is Bing Bang Baby. Uh, the chorus is so fucking catchy. I want to cry and I want to laugh. Yeah, so uh, some of the lyrics in this song. I got a photograph of a photograph of a wedding in a shell. It's just a burning ancient memory. I never kiss and tell. Mm. There were some people speculating that this song was about uh, Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. Now, there's another song later on in the catalog that is explicitly about Courtney Love. Say that one more time for me. I got a picture of a photograph of a wedding in a shell. It's just a burning ancient memory. I never kiss and tell. Because Scott, it was noted that Scott had like a crush on Corny Love at okay. some point. Okay. Uh, so s- somebody was speculating that, but other people were saying no way. And there is another song that's spe- like s- specifically about Corny. So okay. I don't know. Just huh. I had it noted, so I'd bring it up. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. I I mean I didn't know that. So but that that's interesting. Like. It feels like he's maybe a little bit too close to that to maybe be speaking on it. But then again, this album coming out comes out in 1996, so it's been a little while. 
Maybe yeah. like the embers have cooled off a little bit. Maybe. Uh, still feels a little too close to the situation. Anyways. Uh, yeah, we'll move to uh, something lighter. Lady Not. Picture Show. <laughs> Yeah, the music is lighter. The music is a lot lighter. This is maybe their first like very, like notably poppy bit here. Yeah, so this song is about a gang rape of a dancer who winds oh. up falling in love but can't let go of the pain. Damn, yeah, okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying here is like Scott raises his level. He's like lady picture show. Uh the music is kind of upbeat. Like you're, this is a feel good song. <laughs> yeah, until yeah, you yeah. know that, that's what this song's about. Um, but it, it like they do this mid tempo, high tune pop, like pop song basically. Um, and then I like, I love the little bit where he like breaks it down. He gets a little bit lower and goes, "She, he doesn't know her name." Like I think that's just like a cool, like sonically cool little like break from the action like I, I guess one of the cool things about music is like it music is all about like s- at least for me one of the cool things they that a lot of good artists do is they set a pattern for you and then they break the pattern in like a like a perfect timing yeah um, and that's a perfect place for them to break it up a little bit and then come back later you know I don't know it's just a cool little bit on this song hell yeah yeah the, I, I think yeah uh the Foo Fighters do that really well too. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's that's their whole game, dude. Um, but yeah, this is this is definitely another fun song. Good deep cut here. Yeah. Well, feels fun. Sorry, feels fun. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Next song is good too, and so I know. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. It's weirder. Um, they they did a jazz song in the last album, and this song feels moderately jazzy. Um, it's kind of soft, and it's got this like jazz guitar solo towards the end uh mid-level from scott here nothing crazy but definitely something different um as i I think it fits the album well because it's something different um they're trying something new here um yeah it's a fine it's a fine song yeah they also have a line in the song campfire girls make me all right which is a reference to a band called campfire girls that scott (laughs) you know enjoyed yeah and uh, they released an EP via Interscope Records, and then they were going to get, like, they weren't going to release any more music, and then Scott ended up pushing uh, this guy, uh, I don't have his last name, but they ended up they ended up pushing this guy to bring back the Campfire Girls, and they did for another album, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I love your band. <laughs> Scott, like, did, like, the... Re- like the a uh, male groupie thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking dog. Yeah, but anyway, uh, the next song is another really, really good one. Tripping on a hole in a paper heart. Yeah, this is not like heavy in the sense that they've been doing it. This is kind of just heavy because it's fast, almost like slowed down. I wouldn't say this is heavy at all, but like the way they break into this song is like these choppy, fast notes, but like muffled, like. Almost like like they had like a paper bag over the guitar or something is kind of what it sounds like. Mm. Um, but this is this feels like another bullhorn song. Uh, he's got that like kind of altered voice throughout it. Um, and then the chorus is just ripping, man. He, he lets it all. He lets everything he's got hang out on the chorus. Yeah. And this this song is another one that is him 
you know, talking about his relationships with drugs mm-hmm. in, in some aspect. Yeah. Uh, he says, and when you binge, I purge a life. Let's go. It's harder holding on. One more trip and I'll be gone. So yeah. talking about a possible overdose. Pretty uh, explicit Excuse me, there. overdose. Holy irony. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily, that's one of the hits off this album for sure. Yeah, that was one of the top ten, I believe, on Spotify. Yeah, man. Good song. The next one, Art School Girl, is another one of these songs I was talking about. I already mentioned that they do this this contradicting thing. So this song is all about a guy who's dating a girl in art school who's kind of like got this free spirit about her. Uh, she's going to art school. She's also dating another girl at the time. Uh, she moved from Alabama to New York, which are two like diametrically opposed places. Um she likes to go to parties. Um, it, it goes underground parties, and Andy Warhol everywhere. She wears the leather. I wear the makeup. Uh, da, 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 da. This is another one where they do the they do the contradicting lines, I guess. He goes, I got a girlfriend. She got a girlfriend. We got a girlfriend. So, so the progression there is. I have this girlfriend, girl A. She has a girlfriend, girl B. We have a girlfriend, girl B. I don't like girl B. Girl B got to go. Um, but then the the repeated, there's another repeated section here, too, where he keeps repe- repeating, I told you five or four times. I told you five or four times. And also just the phrasing of that five or four instead of four or five. Ex- I was I wanted to mention that. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's it's a strange way of putting it. Um, it almost it bothered me when I listened to it because I had the lyrics up and I was like, why is he phrasing it like that? Yeah, I I wonder if they tried it the other way and they were like, I don't know if this quite sounds right. Let me try this. And it just to them sounded better this way um, or if there's something else in there. But it's weird. Um, but yeah, other than that, it, it this is an unabashed like pop rock tune. Yeah, it's definitely a weird one. Weird for them, for sure. The gar- guitars are tuned way up. Um, it's just poppy. But as a deep cut, again, I, I like it. I don't love it. Good track on this album. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good with rattling through the next, like, two or three, if you yeah, are. Yeah, it's they're fine. Go. They're just kind of all right. Yeah. Adhesive, uh, maybe not my f- – probably my least favorite song on this album, honestly. Sounds uh, like it's against the label or like w- someone in the music industry. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Just soft, sweet song. Uh, Ride the cliche a little bit back towards the middle. Uh, cool guitar work, but also kind of forgettable. Yeah, I don't have anything on that one. Daisy um, is a instrumental instrumental track for like a minute and a half. I actually like this song. Uh, mm. It's just a slow, like not. I don't want to call it plucky. Just clean. Um, guitar licks throughout um minute and a half i don't know it's it's nice to sometimes nice to have these on an album but towards the end of the album i i don't think this is placed properly um sorry oh you're good i don't have anything to add yeah and then seven cage tigers to round it out yeah so i i do really like seven cage tigers you like to me you like that one yeah it's fine same kind of thing honestly as uh the last couple songs i just talked about i mean i like it more but same kind of feel yeah, so I was going to ask you this, too. Is there do, is there a particular reason why I think it's on, like, six of their albums. They have – it's, like, 12 songs, exactly. Or it might even be seven of their albums. There's only – I think 
I don't think they did it on the last one. I but on core, uh, purple, and now this one, and I believe the next one, they're all twelve tracks. Let me check who the producer is on these, but I would imagine that at least on the first two or three albums, they had the record deal set for like three albums. Oh yeah, they okay. had a, okay. like a specific target to meet. They're just meeting the quota. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's got to be an all-time feeling as a band when they're like, all right, we set. It's like uh, we signed a you know. Uh, a three album, twelve song per right. album contract. Let's throw in a couple instrumentals. Fuck the label. <laughs> Fuck the label. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it looks like these are all. I mean, maybe these have been uh, acquired by, but these all look like they're by Atlantic Music. Um, okay. Which is a pretty classic record label. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But the uh, the next album's eleven. If that makes you feel better. Okay. Nah, I just. For some reason, yeah, I don't know. Some I just picked up oddity on it. that just kind of happens to show up. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seven seven cage tigers. You got anything on there? Uh no, just lyrically cool song, sound wise cool song. Yeah. Um, so the answers get harder, and the truth keeps getting farther and farther, and the bottle keeps churning and churning. Seven cage tigers fly by, fly by. Yeah. Just a just a cool cool song. Nice way to close out. I think it's not doesn't have any replay value for me honestly like these last few tracks just kind of like softly glide out of the album but yeah it's fine yeah so the next album is number four in 1999 their fourth fourth album uh this for me is where it yeah starts, they, starts they, to decline for they me they hit their three album stretch yeah and this song uh sound wise it's actually not like i i, I don't mind the sound i just i don't, don't. know it's it's heavier a little bit darker, maybe. The songs are kind of more aggressive and uh, maybe raw compared to some of the some of the last two albums. Yeah, they're not holding anything back on this album for sure, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like heavy as fuck. It just means, and some songs are, but uh, it just means that like they're just letting it all hang out, kinda. Yeah, and Scott also does his like deep voice a lot in this album, yeah. which I don't tend yeah. to like as much as when he doesn't do the deep voice mm -hmm. yeah but there's still some bangers on this album no doubt uh like i won't throw this one in the trash so like this album starts with down and then heaven and hot rods and i think both of those songs are just down in particular down is this wildly like heavy but also like mid-tempo song that just crunches it it breaks you into the album in such like a a wild way like it's not what I like, what I like like super energetic uh, album starters. This is not super energetic. It's just heavy as fuck. Um, cool guitar work here. Awesome, awesome solo at the end. Um, and that's how they kick off this album. <laughs> My notes for the first two songs were, eh, cool guitar. Yeah, and so Heaven and Hot Rods is maybe a step down in terms of heaviness. It's still pretty heavy, uh, but it's more heavy just because uh, Scott's got his deep voice on uh, for the song. A little bit faster than down, a um, little bit less heavy. As as these tracks go, this, these both of these tracks are some of my uh, favorites on this album. So difference of opinion there, but sure. Anyways, we'll kick into Pruno, not Bruno, Pruno. Um, weird song title. This song, like it's got like these grungy licks kind of throughout, uh, like real almost like distorted, kind of fucked up uh, guitar licks. Um, softer verses though a little bit softer not like uh, my note is softish um and then the chorus is heavy as fuck 
Yeah, I like uh, you. You set me up for that one organically, which is nice. Uh, Pruno is a term used in prisons for fermented fruit alcohol that's made in plastic bags that the prisoners drink. Uh, quick shout out: if you ever want to learn how to make prison wine, Larry Lawton on YouTube, it's a good masterclass. Yeah, dude, dude's hilarious. I, I've been, I've been really, honestly, I've been craving some, some prison alcohol. <laughs> Nothing gets the day going more than fucking bathtub fermented wine. He calls it white lightning. <laughs> ah, the good old white lightning. Uh, but yeah, and then some of the lyrics for this one. I got another, got another, I got another hit that held me the last time. Don't you know what I mean, boys? One, two, three. I got another, got another. <laughs> yeah, so just a fun track, I guess. Then yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't like this one as much as the last two, but no, I don't either. But I, the name, I had to look up the name. And then, so then that follows up with church on Thursday, and this is where we kind of get into like the the typical STP stuff. I would say down might be the heaviest track in their whole catalog. So going to a more middle level from there is not like a crazy statement, but church on Tuesday feels like we've just gotten back right into the mid. Um, this is just like a very typical still stone temple pilots track. Um, like Wyland doesn't do anything crazy in the vocals here. It's just, it's good. It's fine. He repeats the line. Father's always smoking and your mom's at church on Tuesday, like 20 times. Yeah. It's another repeated section song. Um, I don't know. I don't, Not th- something I'd I come don't, back to. But. I was going to say, I don't really like this one. Yeah, it's whatever. But what I do like mm-hmm. is Sour Girl, the next song. Yeah, this is just kind of like, this is uh, Wyland doing his sweet voice again. Yeah, this is uh, it's like a, is it like a pop hit? It's kind of poppy. Yeah, you could play this on Tiny Music, no doubt. Um, it's just like this, not it, mid-tempo, uh, tuned way up guitars um with scott singing in his high range for almost the whole time um and like like almost emotionally singing through the chorus um kind of like trailing on notes what would you do like holding the and it's it's just a it's a break from the usual stp and a cool track on this album yeah it's a great break so he he wrote this about uh one of his ex-wives um who someone was saying online that she had she had a little bit of like bipolar. Yeah. Uh, and I, Scott's been known to have that as well. But yeah, some of the lyrics from this song that kind of reflect that. Uh, she was a sour girl the day that she met me. Hey, what are you looking at? She was a happy girl the day that she left me. And then he just kind of keeps going back and forth with like more contradicting statements. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite songs. Like when I when I listen to this song on this album. I think I replayed it about a half dozen times, and then over the next like week, I probably played this song like thirty times. Like the, I, I, yeah, man, this song is sick, no doubt. I struggled so much to put together my top ten list this week. It yeah. was a grind. Yeah, when he when he's like when he just goes into the what would you do? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those long held notes. He's this is this might be his best singular song on the on the mic. I might agree with you. I I yeah, I really enjoy this one. Um. Yeah, Sour Girl. Great track. Um, the next song, No Way Out. Uh, this is back to the heavy stuff. Not super fast, not super slow. Honestly, it wasn't one of my favorites. No, I don't really like this one or the next one. Yeah, me neither. It felt like... So we're getting to the point in, the, in this band's career where I'm starting to feel like... S- so Sour Girl is the peak of his vocals. Sex and Violence feels like they throttled him in the chorus. Like, I wanted him to let it all out in the chorus, and he just kind of holds it to the same level he was in the verses. Mm, um, yeah. 
And so maybe he had a good day when he was singing Sour Girl, or maybe he had a bad day when he was singing Sex and Violence in the studio. Um, but there's just something missing there. It just doesn't quite hit. Yeah, I don't I don't really like a lot of these songs until we get to Atlanta, to be honest. You don't like Glide? I, so oh, the next, uh, you know the what? next track is Glide, and I thought you'd like that. I'm sorry. It, I actually do have good on my notes on this one. I have, uh, I have eh, eh, good. And then back to the eh. Okay, yeah, so, so all right. I'm, my apologies. This is like a um, back to like this poppy glam rock type stuff. Uh, got a real catchy chorus. Nothing too crazy on guitar, but still good work. Good vocals from Wyland again. Um, I, it's just catchy and good. This is a good one. Yeah, good deep th- cut. this is one of the three or four songs off this album I actually saved. Yeah, 100%. Nice track here. Uh, the next two I could do without, honestly. Same. Uh, I Got You poppy acoustic track piano low vocals forgettable and then mc5 this is a faster mm, not too high not too low song scott's throwing his voice all over the place in this song but uh it just doesn't do it for me there's a little good guitar not solo but we'll call it a few licks at the end are kind of cool but whatever yeah a lot a lot of these tracks in between here are just kind of forgettable yeah, yeah. There's hot, big, high, high highlights mixed in with a lot of meh, but yeah. And the last song, Atlanta, it's kind of a uh, a haunting ballad, if you will. This might be my favorite ballad by them. Uh, the more I listen to it, again with Scott on a, on a good day with the vocals, he's so it's just kind of this like sweet picky guitar um, throughout. But then they add in a little bit of violin through the song. Uh, it's, it's a longer song here, too. It's like five and a half, six minutes. Um, just singing. A, it, it's a love song, basically. This is a song about a girl he, he met. And, yeah. Um, she's just kind of waiting for him at home every day when he gets there. Uh, repeated sections through the end. Probably the last 30 lines are all repeated sections. She lives by the door and waits by the wall. She uh, walks in the sun, da-da-da. Um, but it, it's just this like almost haunting vocal from Scott, uh, especially in the second half after they 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 break in the uh, strings a little bit. His like just repeated section of that is melodically like perfect. Yeah, and it matches perfectly. Yeah, and I believe he was going through a divorce at the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One of the lines that I liked was, my love is unusual. It's painted with roses and thorns. With her, I'm complete. Yeah, yeah. Just T- not even not even rhyming, just saying what's on his mind. Recognizing his faults while realizing that she makes him everything, yeah. basically. Really, really cool song. Great way to close this out. And then we go to Shangri-La-Di-Da. <laughs> well. This is a wild uh, album name. It's a I always of, yeah. every time I'm like, oh, what album is this? I always mispronounce it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a it's a fun little like uh, play on words, I guess here. But I I've got a fun fun fact on this album. So this came out in 2001. On their Shangri La Dida tour, the band was in such dysfunction that they brought along a sober coach to keep them focused. Yeah, this wasn't great times for the boys. Uh, released in 2001. This is a longer album, I think. This is so we, we talked about them all being twelve. I think this is thirteen. Yeah, um, it gets off to a decent start and then goes wildly downhill. Um, 
I see. I thought the opener, which is "Dumb Love," I thought it was. He just sounds like like a Creed wannabe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Th- I mean, but uh, yeah. I just meant the first. Call it four songs. I kind of liked. Um. And then after that, I'm very very lost. Um. I I could also rename this this album uh, "Drug Songs." This just sounds like music you listen to while you do drugs. Yeah. There. There's a lot of. Uh. You know. It's funny. I. I found myself like I'd saved it probably seven or eight songs on the album, but I found that they were all forgettable. Like I wasn't like with some of the other albums, I was like, Oh, like sour girl. Like I know what, I know what's the first note that's going to hit. I know what it's going to sound like. Whereas the ones I saved on here, I was like, Oh, what, which one is this again? Yeah, whatever. Um, but anyways, yes, yeah, so this album kicks off with dumb love. Um, not bad. It's like a heavy grungy song. Uh, good guitar work here. Decent on the vocals from Scott. Fine opener. It yeah, was fine. It was just all right for me. I didn't care for it. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Days of the Week is another hit. That's the next song. Um, this would be probably in their top 20 tracks. Uh, another kind of similar, not similar to Sour Girl, but like it's got this poppier, offbeat feel to it. Um, Scott a little bit higher in his range. Not super high, but a little bit higher. Um, acoustic track. It's just a good song. Yeah, so, so th- I do really like this one. Some of the lyrics. One day, left me for dead. Woke up on the floor. Time for another one. Two days, she's leaving me again. Can't take it no more. Out through the open door. Three days, she's found herself a friend. Uh, and then it keeps going, but it like it adds a number of days, yeah. which is it's is unique. And yeah, it's an interesting it's just way different. of progressing through the track, yeah. 100%. Um, after that is Coma. This, this song breaks in with a really interesting lick. I don't know quite how to describe it. It almost sounds like... Uh, like a Morello Rage Against the Machine type uh, sound to it, where it's got that like slidey guitar feel. And then they mix that slidey guitar lick a few times in to these like crunchy, heavy uh, chords, like standard STP type stuff. Yeah, it's a decent track. Uh, yeah, I thought this was fine. Um, again, nothing crazy. Yeah, nothing crazy. Hollywood Bitch, the next song. A little poppy, but like, also heavy i don't know how to put that yeah i i like the music on this the lyrics and the delivery tough. I, I don't tough. like tough yeah yeah it's, it's real um i don't know we've, we've talked about songs where like the lead singer is talking to like the audience and being like like special you know uh just being a little like diminutive towards the audience this is like diminutive towards people and it doesn't feel good yeah for sure. Um, the song is about exactly what the title is. It's just like making fun of these these women that live in Hollywood and the type of people they are. No, nah, not for me. Um, and again, so now we're four down and it's going to drop off a cliff. Wonderful is the next track. Uh, it's a slow acoustic song, kind of trippy up and down vocal level here. Not for me. Yeah, I, I like this one. It is softer, but uh, I don't really have anything else to add black again up next uh <laughs> i put down this sounds a little bit like a uh, song you could play in like a coffee shop like piano coffee shop music <laughs> low level but uh, kind of in the mid on tempo not one of my favorites but stood out a little bit compared to some of the other tracks because the piano is so prominent in this song yeah it's definitely more upbeat even though some of the lyrics are weird he's like she can't eat she can't sleep she's not well but it is an upbeat track yeah it's weird but they do that all the time. That's kind of their thing. Yeah. The next song, Hello, It's Late, is another 
all right one. Kind of sounds like uh, give give me like a little like Pink Floyd vibes. Yeah, that's exa- <laughs> it's almost exactly what I have here. Not a fan, but I got that vibe too. Yeah, about our songs about a relationship ending. Uh, the, the I did like the one line he said. I know you cried, but nothing changed. Which is like, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's a for me that was it was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, interesting little uh, tag on there. It's like <laughs> you know, usually when you cry, it's like all right, I'm ready to like move on. Change yeah, things. <laughs> yeah, she's just crying to cry. Yeah, so to get, like get her away. Yeah, so I do want to talk about the next song, "Too Cool Queenie." So this song one has a really cool guitar solo. Yeah, hundred percent. Two, this is about Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. Okay, cool. What's up? So, uh, so some of the lyrics from this one: There was this boy. He played in a rock and roll band, and he wasn't half bad at saving the world. Mm. She said he could do no right, so he took his life. His story is true. And then later in the song, and now this girl, yeah, she got real famous and she made lots of money. And he kind of goes on to drag her a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not uh, unfamiliar either. We've seen Dave Grohl do this, and now Scott Weiland. I love it. Um, does it give a little bit more credence to my theory? Oh, uh, just, I mean, just keep that in the back of your mind as this keeps happening. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like this one stood out again a little bit, uh, just because it's slightly poppy, uh, pretty trippy here. But yeah, and I like the solo. Good yeah. song. Goodish song. Regenerations up next. Uh, very forgettable. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything on that. Yeah, just low level, mid tempo, soft electric song. Ugh. Bipolar bear after that. Stringy acoustic with like mixed in with hard chords. It's got this kind of like cool trippy solo in the middle end ish. Um, I mean, relative to some of these other songs, I like this, but I still wouldn't like. I wouldn't go back and listen to this one again. Yeah, same here. Um, after that, transmissions from a lonely room. Cool guitar work, and the chorus is all right. It's fine. Yeah, forgettable. Yeah, a song for sleeping is the next track. Um, I feel like you're gonna have something here. Yeah, uh, Scott wrote this for his son. Okay. Like, I think he was one and a half at the time. Yeah, and it kind of does sound like a lullaby. Um, yeah, definitely. It's got this like soft mid-tempo acoustic guitar over scott like sweetly singing into the mic in like again like a lullaby cadence to it um i mean it's not for me it's not what i look for with stone temple pilots but certainly personal to scott and kind of nice yeah cool in the album not something you probably come back to no and then this finishes out with long way home honestly this album this song fits the album but it just kind of felt like a toss on to me i wish they had finished on a song for sleeping yeah, that probably would have been a more personal way to end it, but I don't know. Th- I mean, again, this album as a whole, like, a lot of it's decent, but it's just forgettable. I don't even know if half of it's decent, to be honest with you, but yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Um, this out, th- this last song, I I listened to it one time. I was like, wow, that's very very underwhelming. Yeah. So that's then that's how they close out this album. Maybe um, maybe it's not decent, but I didn't really care for number four, uh, and I don't really care for the last two albums. Gotcha. So, I, I can't know. believe you don't. Well, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, a little surprised about that. All uh-huh. right. Um, then they take a long time off. So Shangri La Di Da was 2001. In 2003, they put out their um, their greatest hits album. Thank you. And then they don't get back in the studio until 2011. I think is when they 2010. 2010 is when they release Stone Temple Pilots title album. Um. Scott 
broke with the band for a while due to personal reasons, due to the drug problems, due to a little bit of a clashing, um, and went and joined Velvet Revolver. And Velvet Revolver is this kind of like super group with him and Slash and a couple other guys. Um, they do that for, I think, six albums between 2003 and 2009 or something like that. Um, and then the story goes that Scott's wife hit up one of the DeLeo brothers and asked him to come like play with Scott at some kind of birthday party. And they kind of just started mending fences after that. Um, they worked... They worked out some of their differences, confirmed that Scott would actually be able to, like, tour and, and do the, the, whatever, 12 songs on the next album, whatever. Got it all figured out, get in the, uh, or get in the studio, produce STP. Way, way better than the last two albums. Yeah, for sure. It's got the more retro rock sound to it. Also very bluesy. It's, it's, yeah, so maybe that's, we're both hitting on the same thing here. This felt like it has a lot of, like, classical blues influence to it while also like adding in little twists here and there to make it stp yeah yeah definitely i I think scott carries his vocals a lot lot better on this album than he has since a couple of the songs on number four yeah yeah and you you hit the nail on the head this album is far superior to the last two yeah 100 percent. and they get they get right into it man so between the lines is this like fast-paced High energy, really just really solid rock song. Um, Scott's killing it on the vocals here. There's a sick solo at the end. Awesome way to come back after such a long layoff. Yeah, and uh, one of the lines that's really cool from this song is he's like, I like it when we talk about love. I like it when we talk about love. You always were my favorite drug, even when we used to take drugs. Yeah, it's a funny little quip there. I like that too. Yeah, and uh, Scott actually said about this album and, and kind of coming back, he said in the previous albums, he tended to focus more on himself and like his drug addictions. Um, whereas he's like, yeah, now I feel like I've grown a little bit more as a lyricist. Yeah. Yeah. hundred so. percent. And I, I think some of the lyrics are a little bit more clever throughout too. Even yeah. The song titles are so, a little more clever. So we also added onto that. I tend to look at some of the greats like Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan and, and try and like, uh, Emulate. Learn from their storytelling. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. this is a much, much better job from him. Um, the next song, Take a Load Off. This feels like it's a classic, like mid level STP song. Uh, you could place this on just about any of these other albums, and I wouldn't take any differently. Like it would just, it fits right into their catalog perfectly. Um, good guitar work again. Um, I think S- Scott's again, like reaching his higher range, kind of. Uh, through the chorus, just a really good track. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next one's pretty pretty solid too. Huckleberry Crumble. It's a little bit heavier on the guitar. It's catchy, solid rock. I love the guitar. This is the the first hit of of blues guitar that you'll get on this album, and you're gonna get a ton of it. This is the first one. I think he does cool work on the vocals here. I think the guitar is sick. There's this like really solid bluesy solo at the end, even uh, that I like on this song. Three for three right now. Yeah, this song gave me uh, sounded a little bit like Aerosmith too. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's got that that kind of vibe to it, but again, just twisted just so slightly. To yeah. STP. But you said three for three. Well, now we're going three for four. Oh, you don't like this next one? No, I don't. I do. Uh, Hickory Dichotomy. Um, he's doing it again with his vocals, um, but it's a little bit choppier. 
I can understand where like that might not be so uh, like palate pleasing, um, but still like, it's got that fe- that bluesy feel to it, like old school like ro- rollicking guitars. Um, it's not super like fast or upbeat or anything. It's just got that kind of like traveler's feel to it. Uh, I think you're glossing over the fact that he does this super weird voice for this song. Yeah, yeah. So he he definitely twists his voice a little bit, uh, where he's got this like really twangy voice. Strange, strange, strange. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. The chorus is sick on this song. He gets right back to his normal in the chorus. Uh, th- this might be one of my least favorite. This the song is trash. Wow, <laughs> I love the chorus on this song. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, difference of opinion here, but. <laughs> That's Hickory Dichotomy for you. After that, Dare If You Dare. Um, their first power or first ballad on this album is this like power ballad. Um, it's good. Not not crazy. Not one of my favorite ballads by them, but it's good. They had a, a great line in this one. Everybody wants to start a new religion. Please relax. Don't need a soul collision. Mm. <laughs> That's powerful. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, that was a, that was cool. Yeah, I like that. After that is uh, Cinnamon. This is glorified pop. Yeah. Yeah. This is a pop song. It's good, though. Yeah. Poppy guitar. Soft. uh, Back again with like the high range sweet vocals. Nice deep cut here. Yeah. He says like probably a thousand times. Hear me. Can you hear me? (laughs) Hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah. No, this is a good song. Yeah. A little like this would be one that might get stuck in your head if you listen to it. Oh, yeah. I could see that for sure. Just because of those repeated verses and. Anyways, um, after that is Hazy Daisy, mid-level, cool, heavy chords. Um, not bad. This is just another solid deep cut off this album. Yeah, I was gonna say the next couple ones for me, they're all they're all just solid, good. I don't have a, a ton of notes. So w- you didn't like Hickory Dichotomy, but you're okay with Bagman. Uh, it is decent. So Bagman's the next track after Hazy Daisy. Yeah. Um. Bagman kind of gives me the same feel where he's like he's chanting Bagman, honey, like he, it's a little bit more in his normal voice for sure. But uh, it, it still feels like that might be. I would love the music for this. That's oh. why. So again, so this is back to that. Another blues lick. Yeah, no, I, I like this one. Blues lick in a different key. That's all this is. Uh, love the music. I even like that that chanting section. Like I don't know, it just it's fun. It, like it's it's not my favorite song by a long shot, but it's just a fun song here. I like it. Yeah. Uh, the solo on the end of this throttled. Don't know why. I wish they would do a different solo, something a little bit more like upbeat. Just yeah, I don't didn't hit it for me. Don't recall it specifically, but yeah. Anyways, um, the next song is Peacoat. Heavy chords on like. Not too, not too like loud, not too soft. Uh, just kind of heavy chords in the mid level. Um, Wyland doing his best on vocals here again, up and down, um, and a bluesy, bluesy solo at the end. Yeah, I don't have anything to add on this one. Really good track. Fast as I can. This is like uh, if you ever heard "I Can't Drive 55" by Sammy Hagar. It's got that same kind of feel to it. This is just a song. Of, it's it's a driving song. It's it's exactly what this the <laughs> the name in, entails on this track. Um, high tempo, high like solid guitar work, bluesy solo again on the end. Um, 
another fun song, not an awesome song, just kind of a fun song. Yeah, and on the lyrics he goes, "Oh, I don't know, I'm feeling oh so low, I'm feeling oh so high. Why, why, why am I crying? Running fast to, to the liquor store, I quickly hit the wall and stumble through the open door, through the open door." Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, after that, first kiss on Mars, another power ballad. Um, in the right spot, I could see myself listening to this a little bit, but I don't know. I'd have to be in the right mood. See, I I like this one. It uh for me this this reminded me of uh, David Bowie a little bit. He's got that song "Life on Mars." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if this is like like if he kind of is doing like an ode tribute. to yeah. yeah. I mean, like I mentioned, like they're obviously David Bowie fans. They did that cover on the Unplugged. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, I like that one. It's kind of crazy. Two David Bowie covers in the same year on Unplugged. That's a little wild. Say it, sorry, say it again. Two what David Bowie what covers what? on Unplugged in the same year. They did uh, oh. Warhol, and then they did um, Man Who Sold the World, Nirvana. Oh, right. It's crazy. Anyways, just a little note there. Yeah, and then it closes out with Maver, which is uh, another standout track. Yeah, I mean, not one of my favorites for sure. It's it's pretty poppy, slower. Uh, good good work again by Wyland on the vocals here. Um, but I don't know. It was fine. Yeah, lyrics-wise, it's uh, cool. He's kind of, like, telling the story of this girl that goes to San Francisco and wants to be, like, a star but ends up putting all her money on, on the horses. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there yeah, at some who, point. Who hasn't been there, am I right? <laughs> but, no, it's uh, it's it's just uh, – lyrically, it's a cool song. It's just a – it's a it's a cool story, it, it, I another, guess. A cool story and a, another good way to close out the, their albums. They do it such – they don't, like, just kind of toss uh, – most of the time, they don't just toss one at the end uh, just to be there. Right. Yeah, and there's another album with 12 songs. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that wraps up STP-1, and we keep calling it STP-1 because it originally it's just titled STP. There's another album that will come out in 2018 that's also titled Stone Temple Pilots. So I don't know why the fuck they did that, but they're not exactly known for most of their albums aren't exactly creative titles. I get, like, maybe it's a rebrand because they have a new lead yeah, singer, yeah. but it also just feels like, I don't lazy. know, lazy. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, but okay, this is interesting. So then they break up again after STP. They do a little bit of touring. Um, things aren't going great. And by the end of the tour, Scott's back, down, back on his bullshit, and he's pissed off everybody again, and he's back out. They fired him. Um, so then 2013, they're looking for a new singer. Chester Bennington is a premier addition when you're missing your lead singer. And so 2013, they produce High Rise featuring Chester Bennington on vocals from uh, Lincoln Park. And this is interesting. I, I meant to look this up earlier, but where was Lincoln Park at this time? This was this would have been post Living Things. Living Things was uh, 2011, I want to say. Was I'll it get, I'm already pulling party? it up. No, no, no. Pre Hunting Party. So. Living Things was 2012, excuse me. And then Hunting Party was 2014. And yeah. re- Recharge was 2013, <laughs> so he was he was still doing Lincoln Park. He was yeah, right in the middle. But of all it. maybe if he didn't spend time with STP, Hunting Party wouldn't have been such dog shit. <sighs> man, this is now. I wish we had brought this up on the uh, Lincoln Park episode. Fuck, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he only did five songs. I mean, fuck, they could have broke that out in a week, like right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just that not that crazy. Plus, Recharge, he didn't exactly sing on Recharge. I'm just trolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, so. 2013 high rise uh is it 2013 i think it's 2013 yeah um five tracks featuring chester bennington starts out with out of time uh 
this is one of those crash into the EP album songs. Just hard, fast, heavy, not heavy, uh, but Chester like letting out a yell right at the top of the song. It was a really fucking cool song. Yeah, I, I like this song, but for some reason I just wasn't a big fan of the CP. Yeah, I don't know how like it, I I think it, it I think it just feels for knowing how uh Chester's range and I don't, it just feels underwhelming, I, I guess. A little throttled again. Yeah, and it it's one of those things where you're like, "Oh, like Chester, he's such a great vocalist, but maybe it's just not the right blend of music with lyric like talent." There were moments where I, I f- it felt very much like they were mixing oil and water. Or almost like they're trying to they're trying to throw in just Chester Bennington with some of the same type that's of music that they're already yeah, that's playing. What I mean, it's, right. Yeah, it's like you gotta mix it up a little bit. Yeah, it's he like he's still I don't know, it, it sounds a little bit too much like Lincoln Park sometimes, but like not so, like just Chester. Just the Chester part sounds like he's still like I don't know how else to put that. It's just it's weird going from Scott Weiland to Chester and you've already got this very, very defined Chester sound. And now you're just kind of like plug and playing that here. And it doesn't perfectly fit. No, it doesn't work. Um, I still, I like this album or the CP a little bit more than you. I still don't think it fits. But it's cool. Like, what a wild ad. You go from Scott Weiland, whose de- voice is declining, to Chester Pennington. Is a f- that's, that's getting Aaron Rodgers in free agency. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, five tracks. Out of time. Cool track. Second track, Black Heart. Uh, it's got this like old school, again, kind of bluesy, classic guitar riff to it. Uh, I like this song, too. I thought it was good, not great. Nothing here? No, I only saved Out of Time and uh, Same on the Inside. Gotcha. The next song, Same on the Inside, um, this brings it down a touch. It's it, like in this mid-level classic STP range. Um, Chester letting it all hang out in the chorus here. Um, this is definitely the one, well, one of the, like, oil and water songs. It just doesn't feel right. Like, Wyland never, Wyland never did that. And Chester has such a different voice anyways, it just doesn't feel right. I don't know. It's not, it's off. Something's off here. Um, Cry Cry. This one is, uh, this is maybe my second favorite song on this album. Uh, it feels a little bit more like Chester fits on this song. He's still... Like letting his voice hang out again, not screaming, but damn near. Um, there's a cool solo on this. It's like in this mid-high level energy range. Um, I like this song. Yeah, I'm sorry, I I don't have okay, much I, to add. I just, right. I'm such a Lincoln Park fan, and uh, yeah, th- I was so like disappointed when I was like, oh, like more Chester Bennington, and then I pop this on, I was like, ah, this is gotcha. It's not, not it for me. Tomorrow is the next track. It's the last track. It's the worst track. Um, this one feels like they should let Chester let it all hang out, and they don't. It feels throttled, but there's still like a sick guitar solo on the end of this uh, to redeem this a little. Overall, I think the CP is a fun experiment. It's not my favorite stuff, but I definitely like it more than Joey. Um, and I think if you're going to give it a listen, at least Out of Time is a really good song. Uh, I will say, like, imagine if you're like, uh, like a metal band or something, and you're like, "Fuck!" Like, we could have used Chester Bennington to pick up, you know, an album here. I. What's funny too is like I feel like Chester had like other ambitions too, aside from just like rock music. So it would have been funny to see Chester do like, I, I don't even know, like just an acoustic album or something. Oh, you know? I would have loved that. 
you know, like something different. Um, well, so he said uh, um, why he, he was a big STP fan, and that's kind of why he, like, jumped at the opportunity. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind of just figured that. Like, if you're Chester Bennington, you could go wherever you want to go. Any, right. band, any band would take you in that's looking for a singer. So, yeah, but that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Mike Shinoda probably, he's he's probably, like, hesitant at first, and then he heard, like, the, the demo or, like, the first song or two. He's like, ha this sucks. Like, he'll be back here in no time. And then we'll make the hunting party. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> in the, it, he got so mad at Chester that he cooked up the hunting party as a punishment. <laughs> a truly devious dish. <laughs> what a bastard. No, sorry. I didn't mean that. I like you, Mike. Uh, but, yeah, anyways. Um, all right. So that's High Rise. So then they take another few years. Uh, they're looking for a lead singer. They post an online advertisement that's basically like, it's basically like a newspaper clipping ad where it's like, Looking for lead singer? Apply if you think you'd rock with us. It's so corny. How many applicants do you think they got? I don't know, a few hundred probably. Anyways, they end up settling on this guy, Jeff Gutt. And like I mentioned earlier, he sounds a little bit like a more polished Wyland, in my opinion. They, they do have very similar voices. Uh, or not, not not super similar, but like, yeah, I can see why they picked him because if they're playing some of their older songs, it's a, it good, it's a good plug and play. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you're never going to get Scott, but... Yeah. Part of the reason they went to, I guess we skipped over this. Part of the reason they went to a new singer here, Jeff Gutt. Uh, so after High Rise 2013, Scott is touring with his own band. He's got a solo band now. So he's he's putting out music. He's touring with his solo band, um, doing that for a couple of years. 2015 comes along, and he's touring in Minnesota somewhere, I think. And he accidentally overdoses in his tour bus and dies. Um, so that was 2015, um, which is fucking insane. But I guess like he's talked about his drug addiction and his drug problems throughout his whole catalog. So maybe it's not that crazy, but it's just so fucking out of the blue that like, wow. The fact that they even came back, they took a, of essentially a four year hiatus that happened. And then three years later, they still came back and did it again. So props to them for giving it a try. But yeah, man, uh, Tough to see him go like that. You hate to see these rock stars and musical artists do that kind of shit. Um, but it's just a, a symptom of what we've talked about on a few different episodes now. So not a whole lot more to say on that. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything to add. Um, heroin's is brutal. And yeah, heroin's a terrible drug. Yeah. Um, so 2018, Jeff got STP again. Um, different album cover, but still Stone Temple Pilots. All right, so this kicks off with Middle of Nowhere. Um, this feels like kind of an old-school STP. It's got like an old-school STP feel to it uh, with the guitar, with the drums. Everything just feels like it's got this like settled down. Uh, not settled down, but like early 2000s, late 90s, uh, like rock, hard rock feel to it um, with the new singer on it. And I think he, he kicks his vocals around a little bit. He, he plays around to try to like give the audience a little something right off the jump um it's not one of my favorite songs on this album for sure but it's certainly like a a little bit of like a kick in the face kind of like to get to get the album going yeah this is not one of my favorites and i i mean this this whole album music wise is fine lyric wise is fine voice wise is fine but it's just not the it's not the same for me yeah like it's i don't know it's it's missing something it yeah it was just it was better with with better Scott. with Scott, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But I also feel like, like, the DeLeo brothers are still here, and the music just somewhat feels lackluster on this album. 
Yeah, I mean, compared to, like, I guess especially compared to the last one, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what happened there. Um, but anyways, the next song, Guilty. It kind of feels like middle of nowhere, same thing. It's a little bit cleaner. Um, still, like, the solo on this is, is so simple. It doesn't really get me going. Um, I don't know. I'm not a fan of this song either. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with rattling through as okay. However you want to do this one. I mean, I've got sure. very limited notes. Sure. Sounds good. Meadows, the single off this album, is the third track. Uh, best song. Hard, heavy, fast. Not super heavy, but like kind of heavy. Um, this is your favorite off the album? It's maybe my favorite. I'm debating right now. I'll, I'll tell you at the end. Um, but I think it's my might be my favorite. Um, again, this is this. Th- this actually feels like fairly fresh for STP. It just it kind of feels like it fits like a 2010, 2015 hard rock song. Um, again, up tempo. The gut on vocals is, is killing it here all the way through his range, screaming a little bit. It's good stuff. Um, a couple other forgettable tracks for me. Um, Roll Me Under, a little bit down the line. Heavier track, heavy-ish, not super heavy, not down by a long shot. Um but still hard and heavy. I love the chorus on this song where he's just kind of screaming, roll me under. Um, Cool guitar work here. Love this song. Um, Never Enough stood out to me. It's got maybe the most classic, like, repeated lick, like this old school blues lick of all time. It almost sounds like like bad to the bone. Like, (laughs) that's how crazy this is. Oh, really? I'll play a snippet for you. Yeah, yeah. Like on different songs, that lick has probably been played seven jillion times. Yeah, for sure. Um, but s- I still kind of like the song, even though I've heard it in, in other you know, iterations. Um, still a fine song. the The vocals are a little bit different. They feel like they got this like hollowed out vocals again, or like he's standing away from the mic a little bit and he's kind of singing from here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of fun. Good, decent, decent cut off this album. Um, the article letting go we talked a little bit about this earlier it's got that interesting comparison between this and interstate love story where this song is kind of about like being on the road so much that the the girl you love or whatever is like kind of like ready to leave you like i need you to come home or like i just can't do this anymore and so it's that same kind of thing but it's a little bit more contrasting right because interstate love story was like i miss you i want to be home whereas this like i want to I want you to be home where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And it's also interesting that this is coming from gut now. And, and the, the, the writing on this is also from the DeLeo brothers too, but this is gut now uh, with the DeLeo brothers writing this song instead. So it's just an interesting comparison. Also, this song is a lot slower, whereas interstate love songs got that, you know, yeah, this infamous is kind of riff yeah. on the guitar. And yeah, yeah, this is definitely slow down. Yeah. This is just a real soft acoustic track, uh, sweet singing from gut for the most part, uh, but up yeah. and down through his range. And, and he says, I hope to see your smile again, but some days far too long of a road, the art of letting go. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, other than that, uh, good shoes. I kind of like the, the riff and the licks on that one. It's got good solo. Um, there's a good track there. Not great. Good. Um, and then that's kind of it for me on this album. 
Yeah, I, I liked Refs and Blues, the, the closer. Um, I did have one note <laughs> after listening to this album. I said, they never swear. They're hardly, you know, they don't swear that often. I didn't notice that. They there's a couple there's a couple f bombs in the earlier albums. That's uh, crazy. But it's yeah. it's very few and far between. I'll bet you that was p- like a there was a marketing reason to that because they didn't want to have the explicit label on their. Yeah, but on on creep or sorry not creep on core they have uh, that one song we talked about earlier where he, he said uh, they they drop a c- several f bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that maybe they did it a lot on core and then like the record label was like, hey, take these. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just not their style, you know. Yeah. Um, But anyways, that's STP 2018. It's not one of my favorite albums of their their discography, but whatever. No, me neither. Um, And then the last album they've they've done is Perdita. Um, So this was what, 2022? 2020. 2020. Um, I'm kind of surprised you didn't like this album. Well, okay, so the songs are more like soft and mellow. There's a good mix of instruments in here with... Uh, I mean, you know, they're mixing in like some flute, some violin, saxophones, yep. violin, whatever. I like if you were to just pop on a random like if we were sitting out, out back by the fire and you probably played any one of these songs it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. But I think it was listening to them all back to back to back. I was like, oh, my God, like every song sounds the same. So I listened to this a couple times again today and I was just I just had it on in the background while I was working. And I didn't know when the album started or finished between like playing it twice. <laughs> I couldn't tell. So every song, uh, I'm not going to get too much into this album. Every song on this album is like an acoustic Spanish slash like Mexican style guitar to it. Slow acoustic songs mixed in with these other notes from different various instruments that we already discussed. Um, varying levels of vocal performance from gut uh, here. These are all like songs uh, about being in love or lovers. Um 10 tracks here i think maybe 11 yeah there's a couple songs where like he he could let his voice go but he doesn't and it's just it's underwhelming and there's a couple songs where the lyrics are really good too and some songs the music's good and some songs it's all right and but they all i don't know they all kind of blend together for me yeah so like i kind of like fare thee well yeah so i do i do really like fare thee well yeah which is the opening track so fare thee well opens the album perdita is the third track on the album and i think gut does a really nice job getting through his range on both of those um fairly well in particular has a kind of a sweet catchy chorus to it um both good tracks uh she's my queen another one i kind of noted i liked miles away has this cool violin section to it that i liked um yeah he uh in miles away he goes i'd canvas to see just to know what you knew want to feel everything you've ever been through you're so far away from me i can honestly say i'm longing for you not just memories of you miles away yeah, uh, that's a cool song. All yeah. these songs, like, I think I think the songwriting uh, on some of these tracks is really really nice too. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I noted for like years, "Fare Thee Well," "Miles Away," uh, "Sunburst." Like, there's there's good lyrics on here. Yeah, hundred percent. This is this is excellent background noise, for sure. Which isn't some great compliment, but if you just kind of have it on while you're driving or something, it's very soothing. Um. I'm not going to give this album a dog shit rating, <laughs> but it's certainly not one of their best albums either. Um, one last thing. They do have another track on this album with no vocals. I once sat at your table. It's just another like two minute song. Yep. No vocals. Uh, kind of interesting, but fits the album very, very well. So, yeah. And they do finish the album with uh, Sunburst, which is 
obviously again it's slower but uh this song is kind of like a tribute to members of the band that people that they've you know love and lost throughout their lives Mm -hmm. uh and it is a cool song yeah that if i had to pick two songs off this album it'd probably be the first one and the last one to listen to (laughs) yeah i could see that for sure no doubt um but anyways so that wraps up their discography um like i said i i like this band a lot um I don't think I gained a whole lot listening through the discography. All the stuff I liked before, I still like, and I didn't find too many others that like stood out crazy. Damn, that's kind of funny because I feel like for every group we've done so far, there's definitely been a uh, like if I was already like kind of familiar with them, there's like been several songs. Where I'm like, oh, cool, I get to add this to the mix. Yeah, there's definitely some. I'm not saying there's none. I'm just saying like, but in comparison, not as there many. was probably I probably already knew thirty songs by them, and I don't know how many i added on top of that only a handful maybe so yeah i don't know like i said i mean shangri la aside from days of the week is pretty much a toss out for me um you know stuff like that so perdita completely white whatever yeah anyways uh that being said i think we should do album rankings first today okay let's do it cool uh you want to get started here and then i'll go or vice versa uh i'm gonna make all right i'll go Okay. All right. Eight to one on the albums here. I guess including... No, I didn't include the EP, so leave the EP out of this. But eight to one on the albums. And I'll do my album rankings here as well. Shangri-La-Di-Da comes in at eight, and I gave that a three out of ten. Just wholly underwhelming. <laughs> oh, three. Damn. Um, Perdita comes in at seven, and that's a solid five. It's, again, excellent background noise. STP 2018 comes in at six only because it's slightly more memorable than Perdita. Um, there's still a couple tracks, a few tracks I like on that album, um, but overall just didn't cut it for me. Uh, number four comes in at five uh, and that's a 6.2. And that's only it, it, I, I view it very similarly as STP 2018. Just the songs that I like on number four, I like more than the songs on STP 2018. Coming at four is Tiny Songs, music from the Vatican gift shop. And this gets goes from a 6.2 all the way up to a 7.5. This is a very good album. Um, it's a slight dive away from some of the heavier stuff for the most part that I enjoy. Um, so that's maybe why it doesn't crack into my top three, but still a very good album. STP number one, 7.7 on my scale. It comes in at number three on the list. Um, just solid, solid music replay value up the ass um good mix of stp sound and like blues classic stuff really good album core comes in at number two with a solid eight um what a start for this band i mean it's not (laughs) it's certainly not like uh hybrid theory but they they bang into that album and there's some really really good songs there uh classics on that album eights is a good number for that and then close it out with purple as my number one album uh for the reason reasons we already talked about it's core but polished um and it's not a perfect album but it's pretty damn good eight and a half feels like a good score there yeah i uh i'm with you on purple there so let me go from worst to first here uh worst paradita like i said what we just talked about entirely forgettable Mm -hmm. Uh, i like the first song the last song but other than that not much going on uh, after that, I'm going to go with 2018 self-titled. I, like I just said, I, it's just not the same without Scott. And uh, I don't know. 
Yeah. Just doesn't just doesn't do it for me. From there, uh, number four, there's a couple standout songs, but I could do it. I just the sound of the rest. I, I like the sound on the other albums better. So then after that, I have Shangri La, mm. Dida, <laughs> which is uh again there's not as many memorable songs, but I did like the sound for most of them. I considered putting. I'm gonna bring in a list of my my just absolute dog shit albums that we've covered so far, and this almost made my list. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. And then from there, I have Core, which I like Core. This, so this is uh, – I haven't been giving these, like, a, n- a number of scores. Yeah, that's but fine. Core is, is good. It's a good, solid album, good, solid first album. It's mm-hmm. not as polished as some of the other ones, but there's some some really – there's great replay value here. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then I have Tiny Music, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. Mm-hmm. And then STP 2010, yep. first one. Like it. And then Purple is a clear number one. Yeah, yeah, hands away, yeah. man. Really, really good album. Uh, I can't believe Sh- Shangri-La Dada was, what, number five on your list? Yep. That's insane. And uh, when, when I was looking at it, like, I had more songs saved from that album than the, the ones I had below it. I guess, and, uh, yeah. and above, I had more songs than that one. So that's kind of how I did it. And then I guess the difference here is, like, I just like the heavy stuff on number four, and you like the light stuff on Shangri-La Dada. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. I mean, other than that, we weren't too far off no i mean we're in the same range kind of if, if you had your numbers i would imagine although your scale is different than my scale well okay so purple i'll give i mean i, I would i would put that at you said 8.5 i think that's that's a i would probably go right 8.5 8.75 yeah but that's like a b on your scale you should just do a letter scale if you're gonna do that <laughs> you should just give them academic grades no it's all about the numbers you jackass <laughs> So okay, so on the flip of that, if I were giving Perdita's score, I'd probably give that a f- four, five, four and a half. Okay, so is like four and a half like the lowest possible though? Again, is that like an F or is there an F minus? No, there's there's there, there's definitely lower than that. All right, fine, I'll give it a four. Okay. Yeah. What do you think of the pit of misery? I just put up like a, a pit of misery sign in here, and we put all the the bad albums in the pit of misery. <laughs> Every time a new one comes up, just hit it with the dilly dilly. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Yeah, we're gonna do yeah, that. Yeah, if we had, uh, yeah, we got something. <laughs> I'll I'll see if I could find something. I'm gonna look into it. Anyways, some kind of like tiny trash can or something. Yeah, 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 I'll find something. Yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. Top ten songs. Top ten songs. You wanna uh, go first? Yeah. Sec? Sure, I'll go first. Ten to one. Ten. We're gonna do. Between the Lines, uh, 9, Creep, 8, Plush, 7, Unglued, 6, Down, 5, Vaseline, 4, Big Empty, 3, Dead and Bloated, 2, Atlanta, 1, Interstate Love Song. And I know I missed something in here, so that's going to be – I'm going to get crushed for that. But like I said, I was having having a a tough time with this one earlier, so. No, you're good. Um, Yeah, so – for me, ten to one here. I had uh, "Fare Thee Well." It's the only song I put from Paradita on there. I, I do like that one. Seven Cage Tigers, First Kiss on Mars, Take a Load Off, Loungefly, Creep, Plush, Big Empty, and then I really was debating between number two and number one here. But I gotta go two Sour Girl and then one Interstate Love Song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a classic, man. First note we mentioned it earlier. It's so fucking good. All yeah. Right. Cool. Uh, do concert set list and then wrap up here. Yep. Cool. Uh, my opener for this band is there's a lot of good options for the opener here. There's a lot of like heavy, high energy songs you can get going with. But I think down is is kind of in that same vein as gasoline where we did with Seether. Um, 
thick, heavy. It gets the people going. Once you get past the first few notes, the da-na-na-na-na-na. Like the 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 whole band crashes into that song. It's just a, I think it's a really nice way to open the uh, concert. Going into the encore here, we're going to start with "Between the Lines." That's another one people know as soon as they hear it. Um, really good track to start. Slow it down to plush on the encore for track two. Um, again, I like that soft song in the middle there, and then close out with "Interstate Love Song." Uh, you can do that at the end of the set too, but I think it just it closes out the encore really really nicely. Yep, I had that as my encore closer too. Uh, for my opener, I had Take a Load Off. And then for my encore opener, I had Cracker Man, which is another high-energy yeah, one. that's another one. And then Vaseline in the middle, and then Interstate Love Song to close it out. Yeah, yeah, I really like that, too. Yeah, there's a lot of, like I said, they got so many bangers. Like, they really do. Um, you know, Top Ten doesn't necessarily do it justice. There's so many good songs in this category, or this... Uh, discography. Discography, thank you. Um so, yeah, there's a lot of different things you could do there, but I think I, I really like both of those. Hell, yeah. All right, cool. So, mm, up next, we've got John Party. and Stark then, Departure. Yeah, and then the White Stripes. And then the White Stripes. And then it goes back to me, and we're going to do... Oh, Jesus Christ. Kesha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, we were sitting uh, after... Uh, the birthday on, on yeah, Saturday, yeah. we're sitting around is me, Jake, and Pat, and Jake's giving me some feedback on the ponies. Like, you guys need to do someone that you probably won't end up liking, so that you can bash them a little bit too. Like, you know, mix mix <laughs> mix it in there. And I was like, I don't know about that. And then we we were like talking about like random people we could do, and, and someone threw out Kesha, and I was like, oh, let's see. And I played like a random song, and I was like, all right, whatever, let's try it. <laughs> She's only got five albums. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get exposed a little bit. There's a handful of Kesha songs I really, really like. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I know, like, tick, I know, like, the hits, yeah, but I don't know anything outside of that. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan, although, <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, I'm actually relatively excited for that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to pick, like, yeah, like, five albums, like, whatever. Even if you don't like it. Yeah, you just bust through it and yeah. finish off, yeah. You're not going to hate me for picking it, whereas if I picked, like, uh... I don't know. That's fine. And she has a strong with the struts, so I'll be able to kick that in there. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that wraps it up for today, everybody. Thank you for listening. Follow us on socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, like, rate, subscribe on the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Uh, that's it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you on the next one.